What's going on, people? Welcome to the latest episode of It's Your World Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Dane Allen, a.k.a. Uptown Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Big Buckets Brown. <laughs> I'm going to keep that one going. I know Alan Ford is not going to be happy about that, but uh, yeah, that's just kind of a nickname I gave myself. That It actually doesn't count as a nickname because I feel like you can't have a nickname if you gave it to yourself. Um, <laughs> but welcome to this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Um, how are you? You're good? Glad to hear it. I am doing something different this week. I know I sit up and I talk to people about their lives and their creative journey and the things that they're doing in life and the goals that they have. I figured I would go and try to feature myself on an episode of the It's Your World podcast. See, that's the point when you have like the sound effects in the background, like, beep, 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 beep. but um, yeah, man, I'm doing something new. Casper Slide Part 2. No, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing something different, and I want to give you guys an idea of who I am and where I'm from, what I do, and what I plan to do in the future. This episode is different because I uh, wanted to have somebody who was close to me interview me, somebody who I trusted deeply interview me, who I got like a pretty solid foundation and relationship with and friendship with interview me. And that is my barber. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people probably saw the movie Barbershop and they talk about how um, such the entertainer's character is like, man, the barbershop is like a black man's country club. He ain't got nowhere else to go and talk like this and discuss things. You know, I don't even know if that's in the lines. I just made that up, but I should get a little bit of credit for that freestyle or freestyle monologue, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, um, I thought it would be cool to exhibit that aspect of things. I wish I would have been getting a haircut at the time I was doing the interview. I thought that would have been dope because it would give you guys a bird's eye view of what it's like being in a barbershop. Um, if you've never been in one and never been in a black barbershop before, but, um, yeah, we'll talk about a few things. I know this is Van's first time really like doing an interview. So it's, it's more so about us trying to you know, he's trying to draw a lot of my experiences when I played college football, um, going from high school in Chicago to the middle of nowhere in um, Oxford, Ohio, and then graduation and getting into comedy and all those things. You know, we're just trying to document the journey. And I thought it was pretty solid. And we, we get into a lot of other things. And I think you guys will enjoy that. But I felt like this was something different. I think it's something that I'm pretty proud of. It took um, a little while to kind of get into the convo because I it's not that I don't like talking about myself. I just feel like not a lot of people have asked me about my experience. Um, some have, some haven't, you know, with anything. But it's not something that I feel like... I have to go around and, you know, brag about and just 
show people up about it. You know, I, it's it's my story. I understand that, and it's also personal to me as well. So I kind of don't want to go out and just throw it in people's faces. Um, if, if a lot of people follow me on social media and stuff like that, you see that I do a lot of fundraising stuff and you know things like that, trying to give back and trying to help out people who help me um, get to where I am today or, and, and pay it forward. Um, we talk a lot about that, too, on this episode. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that took the time to teach me a few things, or give me a few life lessons, and I just kind of took it upon myself as an individual to try to give back, to try and make sure that some people, one, don't make the same mistakes that I did, and two, also try and be successful or more successful than I am. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it's wrong with you sharing your experiences and informing people on how to do things and make it to the next level and then whatever they're doing if it's being a creative if it's shit if it's working a job you know (laughs) there's a lot of people that came to me and told me things about the workforce I didn't know because I had never been in in a corporate office before like that things change we also discussed that too you know going from when I worked construction a little bit and stuff like that but um yeah, man, I'm really proud of this episode. I think you guys will enjoy it. I wanted to let you know that we are available on SoundCloud and on iTunes as well. If you go to the Facebook page, like the page, It's Your World Podcast, follow the page. Um, you can still use the Lipson link to listen to the episodes as well. But if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and review. So that way, if you subscribe, you'd be able to get all the episodes automatically uploaded to your your phone, laptop, wherever you listen to your your uh, podcast at via the either iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app you'd be able to receive the episodes that way same thing for soundcloud once you follow the page on soundcloud you'll see it pop up that hey you listen to us um go ahead that way but um yeah man just sit back relax enjoy this episode make sure you follow us on instagram and twitter as well um yeah man i'm just i just want y'all to sit back and enjoy the episode and let me know what you think Other than that, I do have another announcement. I will be at Matilda up north in Chicago. Um, What is that? Uh, April 20th, I believe, which is a Friday. It's pretty funny because that's the day before my pop's birthday. Rest up, big dude. Um, Happy birthday when the day comes. But, um, yeah, just check it out. Uh, um, I'll be posting it on social media soon as well. And we do have an invite on or a uh, event page on Facebook as well. So if you're on Facebook, just check it out. I think it's like some weird name, like the ass blaze something. I know it sounds weird, but listen, um, I did not come up with the name for the show. I just want to tell my jokes, get drunk, and go home. So if you can come out and meet up with me, you can talk and do shit like that. And, you know, just come out and enjoy some comedy. Um, I think we have a nice lineup. It's about eight or nine people, or maybe ten. 
But um, Irene Tinoco will be on the show, so you can get to check her out there. I know she did an episode here, so if you want to get a little background on who she is, you can check out the episode there. Um, I want to say that's like episode three or four. But um, yeah, man, just again, support if you like the show. Support if you don't like the show. <laughs> if you think is. If it's dope, let me know. If you think it's trash, let me know. I mean, I'm looking for as much feedback as possible on the show. And if you also know any talented people or creatives that you think would like to be featured on the episode of Visual World Podcast, just let me know, man. I'm just really excited to be doing something like this and enjoying every minute of it. Um, Yeah, that's all I got, people. Listen to this episode and let me know what you think. Talk to you soon. I know you played football. I know that was one of the mm-hmm. highest times of your life. Um, what what type of emotions were you feeling at that time? Like that was one of the most successful times of your life that I know of. Like, yeah. what was it like? I think being a jock. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was one of those things where it's like it's great because you got an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. The numbers dwindle, so you think about it from. High school, you got like half a million kids or something crazy, all trying to play, or even a million. Let's just fuck it. Let's just say a million for the entire country. Then you get the opportunity to go to college and play at the highest level there is in college. Then the numbers just go down. It's like a drastic drop from maybe half a million, a million to like a hundred thousand people. <laughs> so it's like you caught up in that whole ordeal of it. But when I was coming out of high school. I had the publicity of being from Chicago, being from one of the better schools that played football at Hubbard High School, Gordon S. Hubbard High School, being in the newspapers, on TV. You want to keep that same mentality, like, man, you're on top of the world. But when you when you talk about the emotions, so you're going from being up at the highest level, like, just happy, excited, exuberant, or whatever you want to say, and you go to college and you start over. So it's like the coaches recruit you. They're like, man, we're going to play. you go going to do this. You're going to start. You're going to be one of the first freshmen to play and all this stuff. And then for me, it was like, that's what they told me. That's what I had my mindset on. That's what I thought was going to happen. And it did not. So I ended up getting hurt um, training, training. Going into the season, I was injured. I had surgery before the season started, and I wasn't going to be able to play. Like, are we gonna play your red shirt a year or not? It's like, nah, you go through the whole year. It's like, nah, you're not playing something. So it's like, damn. So this college. Yeah, so in college, you know, the first two or three years, the first two or three years, we were trash. I had a two and ten season, two and ten season, and then we went one and eleven. And that was like my junior year. Turn it all around, the next year we go like ten and four. So like you win a championship. 
you're on top of the world. You go play in a bowl game. I played in the GoDaddy Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. GoDaddy, like GoDaddy hosting? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they sponsored the game. But, like, the emotions that came with that was just, like, we won on, like, a last-minute play. Like, oh, and yeah. then it was crazy because I played against one of my best friends and some of the friends that I played in high school with, too, and against. It was like, damn, like, this is crazy. I remember before that game being like, damn, dog, like, some people would say, you ain't even supposed to be here, bro. I'm one, because we always talk about that, too. Like, you know, you'd be like, man, gee, like, how, how, how big of an accomplishment was that to you? Just, like, college, making it to college was a huge thing. Like, because everybody thinks, like, oh, well, you got it all made. You go do this and you go do that. I came into my freshman class with, like, 40-some kids and maybe 11, 8, eight to 11 of us graduated on time. That's why that shit was, like, such a big thing to me. That's so, your, so your rise to fame, like, started in high school, then it, it I don't, trickled I over say, to college. I wouldn't say it was fame. You, It was just life at the time. You know, you were so used to it and... Fame, I say, that's not that's not say fame. I say notoriety. Okay. So because people know who you are, and they and they got their eye on you, and you did that. And it started in high school, right? Right. Okay. Right. So and you transferred over into college. To college. But yeah. the first two years of college was first shit. two was trash. Right, <laughs> like, right. But I mean, on the field though, you know, on the field, and that was that was trash. One because on the field it was like you, like my mom's in there, my mom, my stepdad, all of them would like show up to the games and shit. I wouldn't even be playing. Wow. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that's when people ask me, like, going forward to, like, if you go to the future now, well, you're doing comedy now, so, like, do your parents support you doing that? It's just like, you know, I really can't ask that much of them because they did so much for me before. It's just like, why would I not so much be upset at them for not showing up? It's like, like, dog, they've been there for you for so long. Like, go do some shit on your own and then you know go that, and build. You right. know that they're there. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, man, but off the field, it was great. Like, you had a good time just figuring your way out through a totally different culture shock from it being, like, 1% minority. So you're on a predominantly white campus at yeah. Miami of Ohio. And it's just like, man, you you learn a lot real quick. I mean, one question people usually ask me is like, man, like, what was it like being black in, in that school like that? Like, it wasn't difficult, but it was just like, you might be the first black person some of these white people meet in their entire right, life. Right, right. So the best season that you played in college was your, what year? My junior year. Junior year. Yeah. And. Um, Richard junior year. When did you get hurt? Oh, I hurt my freshman year. True freshman year, and then I got hurt. My the the during that bowl game, I got hurt, and okay. I had surgery the the next following year. So like, we played the game in January, and then I got surgery right after that. Okay, so that would be two thousand eleven, and that was that shit sucks too because it's like probably one of the best players in the league at that time. You get hurt, you gotta start over. So did you have like aspirations of going to NFL? Yeah, I mean everybody does, man. Like, but the main goal was like make sure you graduate the hug because this shit not promised to you. It's one of those things where that's what I think the misconception coming is like, oh, well, you play in college, so you should automatically go to the league. No, them dudes is on another level when you get to the NFL, and it might not even be right, like, like more grown grown right, man. No, I mean, like, even if it's grown man, shit, you got to think about it, like everybody in the league was the best player on their team for their entire life, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were athletic freaks. So if you look at the combine numbers and all that stuff like that, like those dudes are like the top tier players in the country for a very long time. Even right. like you know with like Brooks, you know him. 
he was underrated for so long, and then he just show up and just kill, like dominating the league, be one of the best players in the NFL. If you're not on that level or a little bit below that, like it's a gap. <laughs> you got to find out where you fit in. Yeah, so that shit was that was that was rough though, not being able to make it. I'm I'm happy that we had those losing seasons because it taught me how to taste like defeat, terrible shit that can happen. Right. Like you you got to think about not going to the league after you graduate is like you've been playing football for your entire life since you was eight nine years old. That was supposed to be the end game, and it's just like no, it's not. You you played football until you was a junior, or you played as a senior also. I played as a senior also. But okay, when you got hurt, when you got hurt, you was playing less. Hell yeah. Were you starting ever? Uh, yeah, I started a few games my senior year, and then after that, I didn't start that much. It was one of those times where I kind of like I want I don't want to say like lost focus. It's more like you are in a position where you were the best player at your position, right? Right. That's what like I want. You are no longer the best player at your position right now, and the coach is not gonna be afraid to tell you that. What do you do? Do you pout, complain, and just give up? You on a team, so you got to work within the team so that you can play well or you can make shit happen for yourself. It's like I just had to get in where I fit in at that point. So what position did you play? I want to talk about some other shit, so we're going to kind of wrap up the football shit. Mm-hmm. But what position did, position did you play, though? Nose guard and defensive tackle. The one and then the tackle is the three. So I play both positions. So nose guard, that's that's offense or defense? Defense. Defensive line. I'll say so he's on defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what was the sacks and shit like? I think I might have had like maybe two or three sacks my entire career. Quarterback shit. Yeah, that shit yeah. was hard. Yeah. Like because I remember talking to kids like when they came in, like freshman. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. Like dog, it's rough in the middle, man. It's because everybody is you and you are the focus of the entire defensive line. It's really at that point you gotta really focus on what your job is. You need to be in the gap. And plus, I was a bigger dude, so I was probably expected more to be like a run stopper. So. As far as pass rush, I probably wasn't the best at that, but like run stopping, like that's probably what they brought me in to college mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. So you stopping the ass, stopping, <laughs> stopping from getting a yard at your right, shit. Right, right. So with the football shit, right? So do you feel like you was like a very, very good player, but you was on a kind of shitty team, like um, for I your was, for your highlight, you know, status? No, nah, I thought I was. I thought I was a solid player. When you come into a position where you one, you're bouncing back from injuries. Two, you're battling with other people at your position. Three, is other people coming in right after you. Like, so every year it's a new player. It don't matter if they're freshmen or not. Because I played behind some freshmen. It's just like, I did not believe that this was happening. <laughs> but, I mean, what do you do? Right, right. You just right. try to play. And when I would play, I would capitalize on that. You know, I would make plays and do what I could. So what kind of surgery did you what kind of surgery did you have? I had a scope. So basically that's when they just clean out your knee and make sure the swelling goes down and all that stuff. I never had a repair, but yeah, I have it, it's a minor surgery, but as someone once told me, uh it's somebody still going into your body <laughs> doing a surgery and then you gotta come back from that. And you lose a lot of your strength and stuff because you can't work out as much as you used to and you gotta do a lot of different things. Now, was I taking advantage of the situation as much as I could? Probably not. It's a it's a nonstop thing. Like football never ends and people don't know that either. You go through winter conditioning, 
You go into spring ball. You go home for maybe two weeks. Then you come right back to school. You, you got classes and everything in the summertime. And then you go right back to camp. And that shit never ends for right. like four or five years, however long you stay in school. Yeah, that's a lot. So, uh, what about the newspapers and shit? You made the newspapers and shit? Yeah, that was cool, man. It was... High school and college? Uh, high school more. I'm trying to get your jock out here, man. I mean, but it's, like, jock here, but it's like, it's <laughs> like, dude, but you... <laughs> you you talking about but that's the thing, though, like... Have like, you... the first two, two seasons, y'all was two <laughs> and ten and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is the jock, bro? I was just happy to be playing, but, like, if I... Okay, if we go back... Okay, if we go back... People want the jock, bro. Even when I wasn't playing, bro, like... I was just happy to have the opportunity to play to the point where, like, I was damn near annoying sometimes because it was just like, like, motherfuckers is not playing, bro. Like, like people have played the same time as me from eight years old and up in, and they stopped at 18. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And I would just be out there making plays, watching film. And, like, it might seem like you was, like, kissing ass or something like that. But, like, coaches would stop the film and be like, look. He don't even fucking start and look at him outside. He excited to be out there. Right, like right, when you right, talk right. about yeah, like that, that stuff, shit, G, yeah. like it's like for me, I remember being um at a party once and this girl came up to me and she was like, Man, JB, you know what? My boyfriend said if he ever played football, he would wanna play like you. And I was like, What you mean? It's like I don't really think I you don't think you be doing too much because you basically gauging yourself amongst your peers and what they doing right. at that time to to get on the field and make plays. And she was just like, Yeah, because he's like my boyfriend told me, like, he always seems he's, like he's excited to be playing, bro. Like, I was just happy to have the opportunity to just play football, bro. Like, and, and then, like, to think about that time period, bro, I wasn't playing a whole lot. But I got to play against, like, Julian Edelman, G. Like, and he was with the Patriots for so long and stuff True. like that. Um, Sean McVay, who's, like, head coach of the L.A. Rams right now. Just okay. like, damn. Yeah. And then, like, okay, B2, you know, Brooks, and, like, some of the best players at at middle linebacker that we ever had in the entire history of the school. I was playing with them, bro. Like, I was just happy to be on the field at the same time as those people. It was some real shit. Right, exactly. And there's a lot of dudes that I played against and, um, and that are in the league right now. And it was just like, man, like, dude, I played against that dude. Like, and I was just excited to be out there. It's just because you're young, too. I was, like, 18, 19. You know, 18, 19, 20, you're still trying to figure out exactly, you know, what what the technique is and all that stuff out there. So, like, that's part of the reason, too. Like, you you got to be prepared for that stuff. It wasn't that I wasn't prepared. I didn't think that I um I wasn't taught a lot of the stuff that they wanted to teach you. Mm-hmm. And that might be the same thing as preparation. Like, no, nah, you could play. You can get out there and push motherfuckers around. You know, you can do that, but... The other dude's on scholarship too, so you got to be able to compete with him. With him using his technique, and you got to learn the technique too. It was a real good learning experience. And that junior year where we won the championship, I was actually one of the dominant players in the league, like at my position, and I was happy about it. You get let down because I wasn't all conference and stuff like that. But it was one of those times where it was like, man, you should have been there. You should have been there. It's like, what can you do? You just got to keep on fucking playing. So that bring out that bring out the jock. That's what I wanted to. Bring out and right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. I get that's, it. That's, that satisfies our job you right. know, for, for the listeners and shit. So, um, give us some backstory on you and shit. Like, how did you grow up and shit like that? Um, from the south side of Chicago, Inglewood area, 52nd of Peoria. Really? Then we moved to Auburn Gresham when I was like maybe nine or 10. So, I always been like, actually, people don't know this, but I used to wear number 79 and I wore it all the time because I remember taking the train. 
and uh, having to take the 79th Street bus to home every. I did that for like two or three years straight. Man, like that's just that's one of my favorite numbers. True. Oh, so that's man. why I went with a number because it was pay tribute to Chicago and being at home. But um, it wasn't easy. Because I don't think it's easy for anybody. I actually think anybody who can make it to 18 and be successful in life, period, is if you just go to work every day, like, um, that's big coming from Chicago. Because there's a lot of shit that I saw growing up. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people have those same experiences. Like we talked about before, like, some of the shit that you might see on the South Side is stuff that um, is normal. At right, some point, right. you, people just getting. I remember going to school and just seeing a dude just get his ass with while I was on the bus going to school. Like, damn, bro, I'm glad I'm on the bus right, right now. Right, that's his ass. But uh, yeah, man, just being in that environment where anything can happen at any time, you always got to keep your head on a swivel. Even from the last episode that I did with Steve Dunlap, sometimes your decisions can be life or death. To the point where yeah. you might think you're safe. I remember driving home from school at some points with my, or from my grandparents' house to my house with my mom's. I told you about this. just like seeing some dudes just running out of gangway just start shooting in the middle of 55th and Garfield. Damn. Just like, I'm from Chicago. That shit crazy to me. <laughs> but you just be driving just like, all right, that happened. Keep going. Like, mm-hmm. all right, you know. Or like even I remember as a kid too just coming up Ashland. 81st and Ashland. It's a CVS, right? It used to be a CVS. I don't know what it is right now, but okay. we would come up 81st Street and we stopped at a stop sign. And some dudes was just like, nah, Joe, I'm not going, Joe. He was like, fuck what you talk about. Just pull out a gun and just shot the dude. Damn. And we was at the stop sign. And I'm like, mom, let's just drive, drive, drive. Like, right. just shit like that that you can become so used to and not even realize it, bro. Like, one of the best that I do is like, I'm from Chicago, but I didn't realize the South Side was a bad place until I left the South Side of Chicago. Right. And people ask you about that stuff because we're so desensitized to it and it's normal. It's like, that's the way you got to be. You got to be hard. You got to be like getting jumped. It's like everybody that been jumped. It's just like, you ain't from Chicago if you ain't got your ass beat for no reason. Like, right. <laughs> I don't even know these people. Like, you just go whoop your ass. But like, that's just the environment, bro. But um, yeah, man, it was it was rough. And, and, and from what I'm happy that I had the family that I did and people who cared. Um, that's part of the reason why I'm doing the show and it's part of the reason why I don't mind giving back and doing different fundraising stuff for, to help people because somebody took time to do it for me and I know I might seem like I don't care about a lot of stuff and sometimes I do say I don't care about a lot of stuff but it's like I don't care about the little shit that does not threaten my peace when I've experienced or seen somebody just get shot in the face for no like I don't know what the fuck is going on like mm-hmm. you know when you are dealing with that type of those drastic type of situations, or you see those, or you you is just visible to you, or you hear it from hearing gunshots and got to go in a candy lady house just because they shoot, right. you know, shit yeah. like that. But um, you just you grow to, I guess I guess that's being hard. I don't know, but it's it's like you just like you talking shit it's to traumatic. me. It's, it's traumatic. traumatic. It's traumatic. Yeah, but you talking shit to me and you ain't gonna do nothing. A real G wouldn't tell wouldn't tell me what he's doing. He just do it, right? right? You know what I'm saying? So it's like that shit don't bother me. I'm not saying I'm a gangster or I'm a savage or anything like that, but it's like where I come from, people do what they go do. Right. They wouldn't tell you about it. Right. But I mean that was part of it for me, man. So that's no, that's like uh, a little grungy, a little bit, you know what I mean? Like the shootings and shit. I mean, it's, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying like it was that bad, boy. And I was trying to, what I'm trying to break out now is like, what was your, you know, seeing that that was like a little grungy, 
Like, what was one of your favorite child, your most favorite childhood memory and shit? One of my favorite childhood memories, I would say, was being involved in like the little league sports that I was in. For real? Yeah, because a lot of those people I still talk to today. Well, I, I know, I know them, and I see them. We just see each other Damn. in passing, like in the same neighborhood that you live in, still stuff like that. But that is something that I think really it didn't hit me until I got older and after college, and even sometimes during, just like to have people be like, "Oh man, I saw you play on ESPN." Like, damn, like, like yeah, thanks, bro. Like, right. I appreciate it. Right? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, that's cool yeah. and everything, but. At the same time, it's like that expectation. Well, did they even think you was going to be able to do that? You know, like sometimes that can come, that can be a riff where people don't want to fuck with you. Or you do have people that think like, man, why why did he get to do this and I didn't get to do that? It's just like, I just got lucky, bro. I was just blessed so to have who put you in like the, um, the sports when you was younger and shit? Oh, that was definitely my mom's and like my granddad. Right? My granddad was a coach for a long time. I don't really know how much he was coaching, but. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, because he he always talked to me. He always talked to me, but he was like, he ain't never really, he ain't play sports as a kid. So he was from the South. When I was your age, I was working in the farm and shit like that. Right. You know, I was just all like, right. all right, I get it. You all know right. what I'm saying? But, um. Yeah, he was a volunteer coach, and he did, like, the equipment shit for, like, my little league football team, and then just took kids home and stuff like that to their houses after practice. And, like, that's that's when you build those relationships with people. And, like, some of dudes just, like, real, got real close with me. And then, like I said, I still talk to some of these people, and I still think I got I hope I got a decent relationship with them where they fuck with me, but you never know. But at the same time, I'm just happy to build that camaraderie with people. So what sports were you playing, like? Uh, at those times, like baseball, baseball, basketball, and football. Damn, and I was doing karate sometimes. And I was so, like, I was a white so belt. You saw like some hood shit, <laughs> the shooting shit, but you was always on your way like to a practice or some shit. Nah, when I mean, you saw this shit, you see, no, you do. I was something. I would you won't be hey, involved in like, bro, like, like it's sometimes. Like, I remember walking to school and seeing like high speed chases through the hood. Right, Just, like right, like like all right. Go to school, like, right. <laughs> like right. but some people probably like go home, I guess. But like, no, just you see the cops chasing somebody, run on foot, and I had to be like maybe nine, eight or nine. And we was walking to school, me and my sisters, and my uh, and my cousin, and this dude just ran into a gate, reversed, and just drove off. And we was just like, damn. Yeah, that was a great. I said something school. like that. Before. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that was a crazy shit, though. You just like damn, like, like just fuck the whole gate up. <laughs> And then pull it out like, fuck him, fuck right. it. I think that's kind of why I'm not, like, super judgmental. Like, some people might say I come off that way, but I'm not. You be so used to seeing, like, ratchet, savage shit, you just be like, damn. <laughs> you used to it, so you don't. And it happens so quick, so you don't have the time to be like, oh, he wrong for this. Like, nah, man, you need to just get the fuck out of the way before something happened in your head. That's just how it is, though, I guess. We got the highlights with football. Mm-hmm. We have a childhood. So what brought you like to comedy and shit? It was just something that I always talked about and I never did it. Um, 
some that some people would say, oh, man, you got the personality for that. You could do that. But it's, it was another thing, too. Another reason why I didn't really get into it, because I was representing the school. So a lot of people be looking at my tweets like, man, your tweets changed from 2010 to now. It's like, yeah, bro, I had to keep my scholarship, motherfucker. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Because we used to have, like, a um, it was a thing that a coach would say, like, if you wouldn't tweet it or you wouldn't say it to your grandma or something like that, don't post it yeah, <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. You know, shit like that. So you got to think. You. It's like an organization. It's just like your job, and that's how serious it is. Like one fuck up, they'll just be like, "All right, you going home?" Anything, you know. But um, right, right. With comedy, it was more so like, "All right, I'm gonna try this out." I went on stage and I actually got solid laughs my first time doing an open mic. Damn. It's like, was I trying or was I just silly, you know? But and what year was this? This was maybe 2016. Okay. In November 2016. Okay. And I just started doing it and just got serious with it because I started building relationships with other people in the comedy scene. Then I was doing podcasts before on another show um, for the culture. And then I was just like, all right, um, that wasn't working out for me. I was like, well, let me try something different. And I started my own shit then, what, maybe a couple of months after that. But yeah, I've been doing comedy now like for like two years and I didn't even realize how long it was until yeah. people started telling me. And then I started getting gigs and stuff, man. It's just like, you just get it. I'm, I'm, I'm not like addicted, I guess. I'm I'm obsessed with getting better at it. Like, it's just like anything. Like if you like if you cut hair, you're like, man, I cut hair. All right, cool. Then somebody be like, oh man, that was a nice cut. You did. He's like, all right. Let me see if I can do better the next time. And that right. just kind of how I just like rolled. And then I started getting showcases. And then I started Second City. I started doing open mic there. And then I got the comedy class, the improv class, and then the stand-up comedy class. And he's like, man, you're really good at this. Like, try to get better. Like, So how would you just des- des- describe your style of comedy? I think I am still looking for my audience. <laughs> Because it's some shit that I talk about that you probably will hear from somebody that's been doing it for so long. It's like, okay, this person has earned the right to talk about shit, talk about this type of stuff. It's like, you just started now. Are you really that good where you can be saying this type of shit? And, and that's just like political stuff, um, satirical things, uh, not so much traditional comedy. But for me, I just try to be as conversational as possible. Conversational. Right. Okay. Because... One thing I realized when I was doing the first podcast I was on is like you're trying to find your voice and you want to know how you go. Like you can go into it and be like, oh, I'm going to be like Charlemagne on the show. So it's like, all right, you'll be like Charlemagne. But is Charlemagne being himself or is he acting like somebody? And if you say he's being himself, then like that's him. That means it takes no effort for him to do that. Right. But if you're going outside your body to be somebody that's a character, blah, 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 like you got to keep doing that. Right, yeah, like right, that would be like right. Martin Lawrence being Jerome all the time. Right. Like right. imagine him right, doing right. that all the time, like the makeup yeah. and all that shit. Like, yeah. why? Why would you want to do that? You just want to just be yourself. Like, I, I would like for people to see me on stage and be like, man, I don't know what to expect this show, but it's probably gonna be a good show. And at the same time, when I come off the stage, I'm gonna be the same person that I was when I was on stage. So conversational. Right. So who else uh, that does comedian is a conversational style of comedian? I don't know if they would call themselves that, but maybe like Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah. Like I like Chris Rock. Yeah. I like how I did. Richard Pryor was kind of like that, but he had told a lot of stories. Yeah. And my thing is, like, I'm trying to. It's, it'd be one thing for me to master one exact type of comedy. I want to be able to do all different kinds of stuff. Be versatile. Right, right, right. But that's the same mindset that I had when I was playing ball. Okay, how can you? How can you be on the field more? So at that time when it's like, oh, you're not the best player on your team, on the position right now, all right, but you still go play. 
how can you maybe outshine somebody or play on the field more? Excuse me. It's like a positional thing. Are you going to be the run stopper? Okay, you can do that. You're good at that. Um, are we going to have you on the field on third down? Probably not because you're one of the bigger guys on the team. And but it's like, okay, well, what if I can get better at pass rush? And then they'll put me on the field in those situations. Right. And I've been in those situations where it's just like, all right, nah. Nah, we'll get somebody else in there. Get them out of there. <laughs> like, right. And that right. should have like, like. Right. And that's the part of the thing that makes comedy seem a little bit, not so much easy, but the judgment is easier for you, for me. Because I've been in those situations where it's like, nah, get him the fuck out of there. Right. He ain't good. Like, motherfucker just tell you that. Like, straight people, up. Straight up just like, nah, get him out of here. <laughs> like, right. Get off the field. You know, what the fuck are you doing on film? In a way... That's another reason why I don't record as much as I used to with comedy. I would, I'm moving toward recording that more. Like I said, I just want, I want to be able to do the one-liners. You know, I want to be able to tell a story. But I more so just want you to feel like I'm having a conversation with you. So conversational, stories. conversational, versatile. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Top it might two. be something new, but I don't know. That's dope. That's original <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Top two mentors all time for you. Top Personal two. mentors. Ooh, that's deep. Top two. Uh, and why, of course. First, I would say mentors. Influencers. Influence, I would say my my granddad. And then number two would be my aunt. For real? Yeah, because you already know how she like yeah. I describe her. My granddad won because he pushed me when I was in a lot of adverse situations. And it was like not holding no punches. Damn. I remember an instance of me getting into it with like my mom or something. And she might like flinched at me and I put my hands up like I was trying to block it or something. And he beat my ass for trying to block it. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like, damn, like, okay. Won't do that again. <laughs> Shit like that. And just talk to you about life. I spent a lot of time with him driving to and from school and the practice to karate and all this shit. I probably wouldn't have been as good at stuff if it wasn't for him. That's the reason. And he taught me, like, that was one of the things that he, maybe it was on purpose, but it might have been inadvertently. Like, to be good at something, you got to practice it a lot. So, like, you got to, you got, you can't miss days of practice. Probably was on purpose. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he had already had the experience. So, he, like, this is what a person would need, the skill set that he would need, you know what I'm saying? Different things like that. But it was like, since you were so used to having that routine schedule, it was like, Going to practice every day ain't gonna be hard for you when you gotta do it on your own. Right. It'll be easier for you because right. you know you gotta do this. Like I remember days like getting in the car from school, like, man, granddad, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do that. And he just look at me, you're going to practice. <laughs> like <laughs> it would be no discussion. Right. But it, it it paid off when I got to college when I had to get up at like six thirty in the morning to go to practice. It was like clockwork. It was easy. Yeah, the discipline. Right. And he instilled that in me. And like I said, just about life and just life experiences. He was still alive? No, he passed away in 2009, I want to say. Damn. So the year, the f- the first year we went 2000, we went to a 10. He passed right, away right. that year. Damn. No, I want to so say. that was like 2009, kind of like 2010. Like you until you get into right. college and shit. Right. True. And that was, I was just happy to really have him around, man. And like I said, to inadvertently or on purpose teach me that. That type of discipline. It's like, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're doing. This is what you, you got to do this. You got to do that. Um, I said my aunt the second one because I watched How her. How was my dad when he passed? 70, 
two, I want to say. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's life, man. And when I think about life and death, for me, it's different because of my life experiences. Like, some people be like, oh, you should just be afraid of death. He's like, nah, everybody got to die right. <laughs> at some point. Right. That's just the way I see it. Some people may not see it that way, but I feel like it's one of those things that once you get it in your mind that it's inevitable, it's going to happen. Unless you want to get frozen and stay around for like Walt Disney, you can do that. But I mean, he had a good life and I felt like he was probably happy with it. You hope, you know, that's all you can really do. But um, for my aunt, I would say because I've seen her in a lot of adverse situations and just like make it. You know, yeah. it's like like yeah, right. You know, it was it was it was watching her um, just achieve what she did. She worked for the CPD for so long, and I may say she got like maybe twenty some thirty years on the job, Damn. and then get to retire at fifty something. Like that take that same type of discipline and everything. And then she always was like the type of individual to be on her shit. Like it was it wasn't that it was nothing wrong. It was nothing wrong to the point where she didn't feel like she can handle it. It's just like, man, I wanna be like that. Like, you know. And she did graduate from college and she does have like a master's and all that stuff. And I remember arguing with her about like, I'ma be I'ma have more degrees than you. You know, I ain't did that yet. But it's just like that was like a like a cool like competition thing to have. And she taught me a lot of shit about just like Life too it was just you know, not just with like work, but like style and stuff. Like she was always fresh, you know. True. Like her and my dad, when my parents were buried, like they was cool. They hung out together, like they was friends. And she was like, <clears throat> they both used to be like that, just like I don't know, just clothing and all that stuff. Like you know, she did a lot of that shit for me. Like Jordan is like she, she gave me taste in a way. So like right. you know, you have like you know you want to brought you the expensive shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Right. But it was like that's just. If this, but at the same time she did that, she was like, "But this is the type of shit you have to do to get it. You you gotta be a, a, a on your shit at right, all right, costs. Right, you know, right, you right, gotta right. make sure you can afford this shit and everything." You know, she taught me a right. lot of that stuff too, along with my mom. A lot of people, you know, but like those two stand out because they didn't have to do that. Right. You know, it's like yeah, a lot of people don't realize. Right, it's like kind of supposed to, like typically. Yeah, but like supposed to do it. Now, it seems like he did like a lot more. Uh, yeah, though, yeah. You know, yeah. but they supposed to give the direction and shit. Mm-hmm. But saying like he was like a lot, like really hands on. Mm-hmm. That was that was special. Right, and uh, with them too, it was like that was that was something that I really appreciate. Now I appreciate it when it was going on. Appreciate it now because it's like now I wouldn't I wouldn't know about a lot of financial stuff if it wasn't for my aunt and the things that she taught me. and Or just, like, my perspective on life would be totally different. Um, a lot of people listen to, like, Gary Vaynerchuk now. He's like, when, it, when, it, when you realize it's your fault, then you'll be good. It's just right. like, she was always teaching me, like, you know, if, if you do something, it's only going to benefit or hurt one person. And... The damn, she said that. Yeah, if and she was teaching me that at like 15, 16 years old. Damn. If if you do something, it's only gonna benefit one person. So you not going to practice, it's gonna hurt you. You being able to drive and say, no, nah, I'm gonna go fuck with this chick instead of going to school or something. It's on you. And I always felt like not that everything was my fault, but it, it wasn't that way. Right, but right, right. It was easy to digest things like. To take responsibility for anything that you do or anything that you don't do. 
And now as a man, it's still being talked to me too. It's just like, you got you a girl. Y'all go get married. You go do all this. What do you need to have done? You know, your relationship. What are you doing to make her react to you this way? First, before you say anything about anybody else, what are you doing first? You know, mm-hmm. shit like that. Um, with the help of my OG, you know, my mom was just like, really, it's a, I was having this conversation with you last week. It's funny because we're talking about legends. Like, would you say mothers are legends? Mothers? Some, most, most mothers are legends. Like, because... Because some women don't have their kids, so True. the ones that are there, yeah, yeah, MVPs. <laughs> right, like yeah. like Kevin Durant said that, but it might it didn't register to me until like I was having that conversation after I left the barbershop with you. Uh, it was like, yeah, a, a mom, a mother will take. She got if she has you for for however long, she got two decades. Right. To make sure you're on your shit right. so that you just don't be a fucking asshole when you leave her house. Right. And, and she just texted me. It's crazy. We spoke up. Uh, but, so. um, like, you got two decades to make sure your son or your daughter or whatever they classify themselves as, right. whatever they identify as, are going to be productive citizens. Like, that takes a lot of work. And not only that, it takes a lot of, like, confidence in yourself to be like, I did a good job. Right. And not be controlled. And not be like, you gonna do this, you gonna do that. I'm 30. How you gonna tell me what to do? Like, you know, like to to build that type of relationship. Not saying I'm saying telling people how to raise their kids, but like that you that's a sacrifice, bro. You got a son, bro. Like that's a sacrifice to be like a dad and be like, I need to make sure this little motherfucker is is ready to go at twenty years old. And I never thought about it like that. So, you know, shit like that. But True. You mentioned uh, your dad a little bit. I want to talk about that in a few. Talk about your dad. Um, podcast. Pros and cons of having a podcast. Uh, the pros is you get to hopefully do something that you love and you want to, and you think is solid. One thing for me is like talking to people that ask me like what happened with the first show and everything like. It was, to me, it was never, like, no personal shit. It was just, like, imagine going to work and you got great ideas and you trying to put forth the effort and then there's no recognition as far as, like, even, like, not like like not even saying, like, we go use it. Like, you're not even acknowledging what I want to do right. or what I'm presenting to you. And sometimes it could be because... You may, with my experience, it was because I was used to being in that whole blunt, like, this is this, this is that, you know, because I just told you, like, I've been in a position where I'm like, you ain't shit, get out of here, and that was it. Right. Not saying I was talking to people like that or treating people like that, but, like, some people don't uh, don't how to take that direct, you know, right. criticism, or even when it comes down on you, you're like, okay, I got it, um, I'll do better, or I'll do this, but... Again, I feel like for me it was like we I don't know if we really identify who was gonna be pushing the leadership role in that thing and, and it was different, but it was just like like I said, it was just like being at work and being like, Man, we should do this, this, this or this, or we can do this, or we can do that. Right. And it's like you know, I was like acknowledging, all right, okay, cool, I'm good. And then just let it be what it is. But if you were in that situation at your job, you would go look for another fucking job. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's kinda kinda went like Man, I'm gonna go do that. But um, the pros to it to me is I'm really 
doing something that I want to do. I think that I'm doing something that is helping people and not taking away from what that individual is doing. Um, I wanted to, to be a platform for people to be able to come and show exactly what they're working on, whether they're creative. But now I think it's turned into something that I was like, man, I just want to think of something I want to do later on in the year about just interesting people that I want to have on the show. Sure. Or like you just asked me about mentors or people who's doing something. Like I'm thinking about doing something for like we talked about moms, like uh, mothers who are more than just being a mom for they kid, but they doing like foundations and stuff like that, you know, outside of that. Or even like one episode I did with my boy Arthur, you know, for Father's Day or that month, I want to probably do something where it's like guys who probably don't have kids, but they father figures for people. You know, I True. think it would be cool to have that type of um, theme um, behind the show. But um, like I said, I think it's something that I really am enjoying. And the cons would be you got to keep going. Gotta keep like, because you got to find yeah. different people who are going to be interested in doing it. Um, you will have challenge of people who may not be able to speak, who may feel uncomfortable with speaking. And some people do hear themselves record. They be like, I don't like how I sound. I don't want to do this. Like, you know, so you might not have another person that you sat down with for the whole week. And that's the only person that you have. Right. So right. now you fuck because you ain't got no other episodes. But so. they help you make like, like what you were saying about the uh, comedy, your style of comedy, like mm-hmm. being conversational, being able to be um, diverse in your comedy. Yeah. Like that's what helped. Like having people that don't look like they fit, but you know, it's like that experience that you get. It's experience, right. and right. that's what help you become what you're gonna become and shit. Right. So I, I mean, I don't fuck with it, but you know, what I'm saying when it happens, you know, you be pissed off. Yeah. Like, but like, not saying like that's the thing. You just gotta you gotta really plan it out and make sure that you have people who are comfortable in it. And that's one of the things like we talked about where you just asked me, like, man, you should do, like, let them know you travel just to go get the interview. But, yeah, like, a part of the thing is, like, it's really weird sometimes when people ask you, like, I can get shut down on just trying to talk to somebody, like, yeah, man, I'll come and interview at your crib, like, nah, I don't want nobody in my crib. You know, people be like that. <laughs> but the idea is that if I interview you in your environment, in your space where you feel comfortable, then it'll be easier for have the conversation with, to have the conversation with you. You won't feel like um, you got to cut off your words, make sure you're saying something right. And then it's like another thing, too. People probably, some people don't trust you to sit down with them, bro. Like, we live in this whole world where everybody should just get aired out on the internet and like, oh, then they just go talk about you. And then you got to deal with that, that backlash from that. Right. Right. Stuff like that. But yeah, man, um, that's what I would say the pros and cons of it is. So, so Jordan at 40, what you were like... (laughs) 30? Yeah, 10. I'm 29 now. Almost 29. 11 years from okay. now. I ain't never going to say your age. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Join that 40. Where you at? Uh, hopefully, the podcast becomes something that's a mainstay that people really feel like. And I said before, if you ain't been on this show, like, you ain't did this, you ain't did that. You know, I want to be like the people. I want to be like Sway. You know, you, you want to be like those people. Um, to have like Mark Maron. I don't know if you know who that is, but no, no, no. he has like different celebrities and stuff come on. But like my thing is trying the hardest thing for me is trying to keep it as organic and stuff as it is right now. Now um will it be easy? Probably not. Am I willing to try and do that? Yeah. Okay. But I think it would be cool to really work on that and try and move it to like a national thing and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, and to network and to connect people and hopefully they are able to sell their, like I have some jewelry artists 
coming on or artists, other artists uh, coming on in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully they will end up having their stuff on like Amazon being sold all over the country. Like, how dope would that be? Just because they were on the show and then somebody heard it. And it was just, no, that's that's the whole thing about it for me. Um, hopefully I'm established comic <laughs> by that time, right, comedian. Right. That would be pretty cool. I right. can come back and sell out the United Center. That would be right. sick. But right. you got to put your goals up there. If it's not the United Center, maybe it'll be here Washington <laughs> Culture Center. I don't know, yeah. man. I just no, there ain't no motherfucking Monique shows. <laughs> what you mean? No free shows. <laughs> <laughs> Monique got a motherfucking twenty people show. Hey man, talking about mean, standing ovation. Look, man, look. Fucking. We just talking about that last week, like with Monique. Monique if, like, I'm not saying I'm a legend or anything like that yet in comedy, but it's like. Man, you gotta. I wish he would have just went out and just sold out shows, bro. And yeah. that would have just showed everybody, like, man. But again, I said this on the other show. I was on the Ford Effect that I also do with Alan Ford. It was like, you know, she's intersectional. So she basically, she's a black woman. She's a she's a female comic. So you know, see what I'm saying? Like the gender pay gap. You know, it's a lot of shit that she covers. So I. That might have been the way that she thought was the right way to do it. You know, she she checks a lot of boxes. Right. And, and when you talk about different social changes or social norms that we feel need to be challenged, then maybe she went about it the right way. Next highlight for you, man. What you got next? Like Next? Who knows? Similar to, like, <laughs> the football and the comedy, like... Like What's I next? said, man, hopefully it is. I mean, I want to establish a bit of celebrity. I want to be there. And, and the the dream is to become that legendary guy, become that icon. Because, you know, it's a, it's a lofty goal to have. But when you're coming from Chicago and you're doing comedy, you think about Bernie Mac. You know, you think about those, like Steve Harvey started doing his shows at um, All Jokes Aside and stuff like that. And then, like, places like that, you know, it's a real, or Hannibal Burris. Like, it's a really rich comedy um, history here. All the people who started here ended up doing something. So why wouldn't you aspire to that? Now, some people might hear me say that, but... That nigga ain't even funny. You know, oh, he, he only white funny, you know, shit like that. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's still a goal. It's a goal. Oh, man. Just like when I was, I remember being 16, telling people, I'm going to play in college. How you know it's going to work? I'm going to play in college. You don't know if that's how it's going to be. I'm going to play in college. And then I see you 10 years later. I played in college. Right, right. <laughs> Right. And not saying like you speaking, maybe you speaking things into existence. Maybe so it's a universe. Maybe it's God. But maybe it's sacrifice. And I would say it's probably a lot of those things because it took a lot of that stuff. Like to be able to be like my junior high school, I was hurt. And the 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 day before you're supposed to go to Notre Dame and visit, you know, was, are you gonna go to the school on crutches? That's one question you're asking yourself. Two, how bad is the injury that you get? That's the second question you ask. Three, are you going to be able to play in enough games to get a scholarship offer from anybody, mm-hmm. let alone where I want to go play at? So it's just like, damn, like, that was nerve-wracking. And I've been in those situations so many times, bro. It's just like, it, it gets not... 
it might be as normal as those crazy ass situations right. that I saw as a kid, you know? Right. So, but at the same time, you experience that stuff. So, what makes you think you can't take on anything else? Sure. That's good. So, the next few questions are more lighter questions, more personal questions, but, you know, light shit, nothing heavy. So, are you a light breakfast or a heavy breakfast type of person? When I was playing, I was heavy because we would we would practice so early in the morning that, you know, you don't even really get to eat. They would have stuff, but we would eat, like, small meals and then go out to practice, and then you will eat a big meal after that. Right now, I'm doing something different. That is, it's, it's like intermediate fasting, I think is what it's called. I usually wake up in the morning, drink, like, a bottle of water, and then get my day going. Drink a cup of coffee when I get to the office, and I usually don't eat my first meal till noon. True. Um, I'm not really big on, like, dietary restrictions because I like a lot of food. Right. But I feel like if... I know what I'm putting into my body, or even if it's in moderation. Like some people would be like, "Don't eat this, don't eat that," but like, you can't guilt yourself <laughs> because right. that's just gonna make it miserable for you. And I did a lot of stuff. Like I, if I even ran a marathon, and I, I was like, "Man, for me, I wasn't eating enough protein and stuff, and I end up losing like maybe 30, 40 pounds." Yeah, I remember you ran, you ran that marathon. That <laughs> shit was dope. <laughs> Two thousand twelve. Yeah. Just like. I didn't. I wasn't happy with the way that my body looked after that. I was just like, you was this big dude, and now he's like, you lose weight. And I remember seeing pictures like, man, you look bad, bro. But yeah. it was because of the running and everything, and I didn't do as much research as I should on what I should have been eating to maintain my muscle and stuff like that. So I, I've always, I haven't really fluctuated a lot, but I, I've maintained my weight throughout the year. So... I think I went to get my yearly checkup and I was like three bills still, three bills plus. Okay. And I was like, nah, you got to do something. So then that's when I started switching it up, like walking more and then doing um, the intermediate fasting. And now I'm like down to my playing weight of like 290. So um, it may not look like it, but I've always been a big dude. But um, I think I'm going to start trying to do it more, but exercising and everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I I really don't eat breakfast like that. Just because of, that's my body. Like I know my right. body will react differently. I think to I it. think it's not really good to eat like a heavy ass breakfast. Like I think that's on Sunday. You know, Sunday morning yeah, and shit. You know, but that's also, cool. I work but in the office throughout the week. Yeah. Right. If you when I was doing the construction work, I would eat a lot of breakfast because I would be up early as hell and I would always be going to sites doing this, checking, okay. you know, like yeah. moving around more. But now that I sit at a desk every day, like I had to really think about that. Like you could sit in the office, bro, and before you know it, you'd ate two or three donuts already just because it's there, you know? Right. <laughs> like shit like that. I, maybe it is discipline. Maybe it is just like the um Mental fortitude to be like, nah, but like, cause sometimes you still do it, you still eat, but it's like, I just also got a stand up desk. Like, I tweeted about that sometimes. I'm pretty sure people don't even know what that is, but I got a desk that I stand up at for right. like at least three or four hours out of the day. Sure. And I think it helps because I know that sitting at a desk can be awful for like, especially if you as big as I am, you know, as a big guy. I just had to be honest with myself, like, nigga, you is fat. Like, you got to do this. Like, this is not good for you to be sitting at the desk, not doing, not standing up throughout the day after you used to being so active. Right, right. That was the hardest thing. Yeah, they say sitting equals death. <laughs> that's, that's just, you know, what sitting does for you. Um, dogs and pets? Any dogs and pets? Uh, not right now, but I've always had 
I'm always been a dog person. Oh yeah. I don't know what that means psychologically, but <laughs> <laughs> you a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. What kind of dogs you had? Uh, German shit. No, what was Boo? He just passed away like two years ago, a year ago actually. No, two years ago. Boo was a German Shepherd and Chocolate Lab mix. And then when I was a shorty, my pops used to have uh, he used to have a Shih Tzu named Mr. Brown. He's <laughs> a little little bitty dog, but uh, we all um, it was like a family dog. Pretty sure my dad probably wanted something bigger, but my stepmom at the time that's what she wanted. But yeah, we had Boo too at my mom's crib, and um, me and my girl were staying. Um, together, she had a um, pit bull and a pit bull bulldog mix. For real? Yeah. So I always had dogs, never cats. You like dogs? Yeah. True. They're cool. Pro-life or pro-choice? Pro-choice is where you let them do whatever. Yeah. Right. Because they can't tell you what to do. Right. Like, I, I, don't, I mean, right. but it's a political thing. You probably shouldn't even be talking about it. I'm probably going to get blacklisted now. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but you can't tell people what they're going to do. What they should or should do. I, I, we 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 as a country talk about freedom and all that stuff, right? Free will and everything. Not even on a religious level, but like on the entire. This is the basis of the country that we live in. How can you tell someone what to do with their body? That's what I think about. So another one of your low lights that I remember is your dad. And when I was thinking of asking you this question, um, I didn't know whether to say your dad died. Or your dad got killed, or your dad was murdered. Like, what's, what's, the, was, what's the right one to say? Was, you know what I mean? Like, it was murdered. It's fucked up, right? right. You know it was murdered, and then like, he died. Like, I mean, right. like, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. But it, it, when you talk about the language of it, the because it's like was it's death. like a, such a huge impact, though. Right. It's like you can't like say he died because that don't really serve justice to what, what happened. happened. You know what I mean? So. I was just trying to figure out, like, how could I word this for bro? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, give the right delivery, give the right words, you know what I mean? That's something that people are like, oh, well, you don't talk about it. Like, it's like, but if I talked about it all the time and just brought it up over and over and over and over and over and over, nobody would ever want to be around you. Yeah. Nobody would ever want to be around you. That's depressing <laughs> to bring that to people's attention all the time. Two, a lot of people have experienced it. A lot of people have been affected by that whole thing. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was more about getting to normal, getting back to normal as soon as possible. And people are like, oh, well, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You need to be taking time. and doing No, because some people never get through stuff like that. They never, they never get through. But you gotta also realize, like you lost a person, you lost a loved one, right? You lost your dad, you lost your father. That's that hurts, right? It's terrible to me. But at the same time, you need to learn how to function with that being present in your mind, and then that becomes a part of your whole psyche. That that affects the way that you look at life. That affects your perspective on death. Now I can either get sick and I can pass away, or my life can just be taken. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to me, somebody could be plotting on me or something like that. I might not even be guilty of anything wrong, and it can happen to you. 
is that not the same thing as kids that get shot and killed here? Yeah. By mistake, right. accident, stray bullets, stuff like that, you know. And we we here in Chicago are tough people because that's a lot to go through. That's a lot to live your everyday life through. And that's part of the reason why I don't like the way that is portrayed in the news and everything, Fox, CNN, and all them. It's like it's everyday people that are living and going to work and having great lives, thriving in this type of thing. You know, that might come off the wrong way or not, but people are actually doing living their life. Damn. Going through this stuff. That's dope. But you only want to portray it like this is how it is. Right. Like, no. Right. Right. People Man, are living dope. their life. Yeah. And you making our home seem like this, sound like this. But I mean, for me, like I said, the main thing was to be able to get to normal. As far as my everyday life went, not normal as in not thinking about it, not normal as in not dealing with it, not normal as in self-medicating and doing it. Right. Um, it was more so about processing that whole thing. Resilience. Resilience. Yeah. It's kind of resilience, like, you know, when, like, as you said, like, shit happened. I mean, shit has happened to people that was traumatic, mm-hmm. but they keep pressing on and that's resilience mm-hmm. you know so but it was also like a, it was a skill that I developed because I spent a lot of time actually just thinking about it you know you spend a lot of time like man like now what like what do you gotta do now like you gotta prepare for the funeral but like oh my god what about me like you know what about the rest of my family? what about my little sisters like what about my little brother and stuff like that it's just like you got to forget, like, I had a lot of stuff happen to me in my life, and I just got through it by really realizing, like, man, you can hold that anger in so much. But I was doing a lot of different things, too. Like, maybe the marathon to me, that training thing was a lot of the time I spent running thinking about it. Training yeah. for that was like, this is, I'm doing this for a reason, but I'm doing it for myself first, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. To move through the issues and to think through it so that you're not taking it out on people, so that you're not just going off. But I mean, you know, sometimes I did just explode. Sometimes it did just get to me. And I'm and, and it don't seem like, I'm not trying to make it seem like I hid it or I was any different from anybody else who experienced anything like that. Like, that shit was rough. But it's been cases when I talked about, talked to it to people, talked about it to people. And if you present it to me as like, trying to guilt trip me or something like that, I'm not going to fucking have it. Right. Just not. If you present it to me where it's like, oh, it's your fault that this and this and this and this and this happened, like, how, where do you get off doing that? Right. Who are you to tell me about my life? And there's been situations where it's come off to me. It's like, are you upset at me because I could move through something? Why don't you ask me how I got through that situation? Right. And I can help you. I had a buddy, like, uh, last fall, his dad passed. And I was like, bro, the biggest thing you can do is stay away from the things that you know are not good for you. What mm-hmm. you mean by that? You know. Right. <laughs> you know how you can get carried away with things just because you're dealing with stuff. I Like, I had to change the music I listened to for a little while just because it was just bring that up and you just be drowning in that sorrow and that misery and everything. It's like, what kind of music? 
just the like gangster rap stuff, you okay. know. But like, but some of the shit it was stuff that me, he and I listened to when I was a kid. Like I was telling you about the Tupac stuff we were listening to the right. other day. Man, I was listening to this at like seven, nine yeah, yeah. years old, yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But it was, it was, it was, it would be reminiscent. But yeah, man, that's that shit was rough, and it still is rough because you never gonna forget that. Right, it's still in the back of your mind, and the sooner you can come to grips with the reality of it, the better. And now, like I said, getting back to normal wasn't about taking a small time of off of work. It was being able to function while that was going on. Right. So, like, imagine if you had an injury. So, say you sprained your ankle. And you're like, man, I'm just going to stay out of work for a week. But I know it's going to take me three weeks to really get healthy to where I don't need the boot or whatever. It's like, right. if you can get something to mobilize your ankle, guess what you could probably do? You would put it on your foot and you would go to work, you right. know, to get, because you, I mean, that's basically what it was like for me. I need to get to the point where I can function without that person being around. Because yeah. if you wallow in it, it's hard and, and it takes a lot out of you, man. But yeah, like I've been in conversation with people and just get heated. Like, oh, well, you mad? You just mad because you miss them? Like, no, I'm not mad because I miss them. I'm mad because you are trying to be aggressive toward me about something that I know I've dealt with. And you're telling me I haven't. Right. But you upset about something that happened to you and you can't deal with it. Right. And like I said, why not ask the individual, hey, how did you get through something like that? Like if someone has cancer and they get through it. I sat down and interviewed a person that's a cancer survivor. What was it like for you? How did you get through it? Looking at, it could be me. It could have been me. That could be anybody, actually. Right, right. Anybody. But, I mean, that was that's one of the things where I just... I don't know if I ever tried to hide it, but some people try to make it seem like, like, no, nah, dog, like, if you wanted to know, you would have asked me about it. Mm-hmm. So is that on me because your concern wasn't there, or is it on is it is it on you because your concern wasn't there, or is it on me because my well, I didn't want you to feel sorry for me. Right. I'm, I'm being chastised because I didn't want you to feel sorry. No, because it's happened to a lot of people that I know. I've experienced being a kid in high school, and then one of my classmates is shot. I'm not shot, but just dies, mm-hmm. and we don't see that person ever again. Like I said, Chicago is something, man, but we don't get as much love as we should, I think. But then you could probably say that for New York. You could say that for people in Los Angeles. I'm just prideful of Chicago. Like, I love Chicago that much. But I hope they love me back. Right. That's deep. That's deep as hell. It should be something that you're proud of because a lot of shit starting in Chicago, then it, you know, proliferated, yeah. Through, you know, everywhere else, so it should be something that you're proud of. But that's great. So, um, are you how how far along are you at getting back to normal? Even though that happened, I mean, that was in 2012. So I've been pretty solid, man. It's, it's the idea is that people you would some people go through stuff and they're like, oh, I'm over it. It's like, no, like, yeah, like you have to. I've, you have to learn how to treat a lot of things like that. Um, and, and again, that's about to my perspective on life period, even relationships. Now, family, you want to hold on to as much as possible because that's your family. Right. But like if you're in a romantic relationship, some people can like hold on to that that relationship a little bit. It's like some relationships die. 
Some relationships don't have life anymore. Some relationships just become acquaintances. Some relationships, some friends, that friendship might not be what it was anymore. I don't know if it's seasons and all that stuff. You know, people say stuff like that. But Season, it's, reason, right. and reason. <laughs> but, I mean, that is valid. That's valid. Yeah. You can use it. It's Maybe cliche, though. But it's the it's way that you dog. explain it. Um right. And even with like some people that I know is like maybe I don't talk to that person as much. I would hope I can be able to talk to them. But if they don't, then I have to basically not say, "Oh, well, you dead to me." Like no, like right. it just it's just not our friendship isn't what it was anymore. That romantic relationship isn't what it is anymore. That's deep. Live your life, you know. Like right. I don't know, man. Like, but. Maybe some people get off on that manipulation tactic. Like I remember being a kid or being in like college. I'd be like, if I if I broke up with somebody, some a girl, and I'd be like, um, oh yeah, I'm not following her no more. Right. Just be petty. Right. Just do it. Like, and you gotta sit back and think about it. Like, damn, dog, you really just cut somebody out of your life on social media. How petty is that? Right. I'll put it like, grow up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I had to get to that point. It's like, if I don't talk to you no more, or we're just not friends, or we're not as close as we used to, like, I can't fault you or me about it. I can just, just be like, oh, okay, I'm glad to see you doing well. Right. Because it can all be taken away from you, just like, like you can get a phone call, like I did when my dad passed, like, dang, he gone. Like, that's it? I realized, like, it's more important to, one, focus on your life, you know, and hope that you're doing the right thing and the decisions that you make and you being a good person. But, but be it a romantic relationship, friendship, family, whatever, you got to also realize in this world that we live in, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. And we talk about like karma and all that stuff like that. You can think you're doing the right thing, but that person could think you're doing the wrong. Mm-hmm. For checking out this last episode, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. Please continue to tune in. Tune, tune, tune in. Um, yeah, man. That, that, like I said, it's not that I don't like me or myself. I just don't like talking about myself that much because uh, I'm not that type of person. Um, I'm just me, man. And and when you don't think about it, when you're actually on stage but even doing this i talked about a lot of things people have probably never heard me personally discuss and i hope it i hope you got to know me if you like me let me know if you don't like me let me know or don't at all it's usually better that way but um yeah man just keep tuning into the episodes guys i'm gonna keep trying to put out some solid content for the culture my culture, my content. That's something I discuss in another episode you guys gonna like. But uh yeah, man, 
just thanks for tuning in. Appreciate the love. Make sure you subscribe and review. If you subscribe to the show on iTunes, um, in the podcast app, you can get it on your laptop too. If you use an iPod, iPod, the iTunes app on your laptop. If you got a Mac, um, also SoundCloud is still up. The Lipson.com feed is still up as well with that page. Just look for us, guys. I'm trying to get on Spotify now. I don't know how that's going to work out, but still working on that. And also follow us on Instagram. Well, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at it's Jordan Bruh. T O R D A I N. The I means I'm black. And Bruh, B R U H underscore. And also check out the um, shows pages on Instagram. We're on Twitter as well. It's your world pod. It's U R world W O R L D pod P O D underscore and the Facebook page as well. Let me know what you guys think, man. If you like it, let me know. If you love it, let me know. If you don't, let me know. If you think it's trash, let me know. If anything, if you do like it a lot and you love this show, please tell somebody about it. Spread the word. Put the podcast out there, man. We're trying to grow. We're trying to grow. But, um, yeah, man, continue to check it out. And right now, that's about all I got. I appreciate it. Talk to you guys next week.